Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Luke chapter 2. We have in the weeks leading up to this, considered uh, the angel Gabriel's appearance to Mary. And then we've considered Joseph, and when the angel appeared to uh, him in a dream and told him what was going on. And um, we looked at the angels, how they are commanded to worship the coming of the Son. Worship him, all you angels. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. But now we come to those uh, who received the first announcement of the birth of Christ, and that's the shepherds in the fields. So we'll be reading in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, and we'll read through verse 20. So hear the word of the Lord. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask you to open your word now to our understanding and our hearts, and we pray that you would write it within us, Lord, so that we would hear it and not be forgetful hearers, but that we'd remember what you said, and that by the work of your Spirit, through your word, we'd be changed. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would uh, open your word and open our hearts, and we thank you. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we come to the shepherds here, and that's what they, they're called, shepherds. We started the service today with the 23rd Psalm. So we see the Bible has a lot to say about shepherds, and it's pretty much an honored uh, profession, although it was despised. It says in Genesis that shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians, and uh, that's why when uh Jacob and his family went down into Egypt when Joseph was in charge of things. He told them, when you go in, tell them you're shepherds. That way they'll keep you away from the regular general populace and they'll give you the land of Goshen. So that worked out pretty good. 
because he knew that the uh, Egyptians didn't want to be around shepherds for some reason. They were considered just by the nature of their work uh, to not be clean or they, you know, their lifestyle was they're out in the field or kind of like they were the, the working homeless of the day. We kind of almost find that here, don't we? Uh, among the Jews, the uh, generally shepherds were considered unclean. They had to go through purification ceremonies. And I've mentioned before, there was one exception to that, and that was the flock of sheep that was kept near Bethlehem, near a place called Migdal Adair. Migdal means tower, and Adair means flock. So Migdal Adair in Hebrew means the tower of the flock. And there's actually a, a prophecy about that, the tower of the flock, uh, or Migdal Adair. And there's some interesting traditions, un traditional understanding, pre-Christian ones, about that statement in Micah. Uh, that we'll look at in a moment. But here we, we see these shepherds, they're there, and these shepherds were considered ceremonially clean, as I've mentioned before, and the Mishnah talks about them because they handled the sheep that were in the lambs that were going to be taken up to Beth, Jerusalem, rather, I should say, uh, for the sacrifices, for the morning and daily offerings. So these shepherds took care. If you notice the text, unlike the, what some of the hymns say in Christmas cards, um, it says they were keeping watch over their flock, singular, by night. I mentioned this in years past, but it's an important point to look, and it is singular in the original. So in verse um, 8, we start off reading, Now they were in the same country, because we just talked about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, uh, because any uh, in the, uh, the stable, because there was no room for them in the inn. And so she uh, brought him forth. Uh, and in, in the stable area and laid him in a manger. So in that same country that is near Bethlehem, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So they moved their, if you, their sheep around. I remember when I was a young man out on my dad's farm, after they would harvest crops, primarily grain crops, uh, the Basque uh, sheep herders would bring in these huge flocks. The roads would roads sometimes would be blocked by all the sheep coming in. They they'd bring them in and they'd put them in the fields that had just been harvested. And they had a, a portable fence they'd put around them. And then when the sheep ate the stubs right down to the bottom, then they moved the fence and the sheep went where the food was. And they did that. And I always remember it was an interesting time. And they always had their their little wagons out there that they lived in, and they were shepherds abiding in the fields, and they had a lot of sheep. So that's the way these men were living. So that profession hasn't really changed much in several millennia. And so here we're told they were there, and they were keeping watch over their flock. And like I say, that singular number is rather telling because that identifies that this was the flock. And by the way, uh, sheep were not allowed in this district other than this one flock because this was the temple flock. Other shepherds had to be away from this area. They didn't allow flocks to be kept there. That's established in history. But this one flock was there because it was very important. So these men are there, usually in the evening, at night, sometime around uh, three or four, a uh, priest or a couple of priests would come down from Jerusalem, and they would pick out a lamb, uh, one or two for the sacrifices for the coming day and then they would take the lamb back to jerusalem they they'd feed it and they were very nice to it because they knew its life was soon to end and then uh as the morning sun rose up there would be a priest remember the pinnacle of the temple where 
the devil took Jesus and tried to tempt him to jump off of it. So to show everybody that he was the son of God. And well, the Mishnah tells us there was a stairwell went up there. That's why Jesus didn't jump off the building, because if you want to get down from the pinnacle of the temple, you just take the stairs. OK, you don't need to risk your life or do foolish things. But a priest would go up on the pinnacle of the temple and he'd look east toward Jordan. And you have that rift. There's a high mountain range. And he would wait, and as soon as the sun crested over the hill, he could see it at the first rising, the first light of the sun, he would signal down below, and then the priest below uh, in the courtyard would then uh, cut the throat of the lamb and take the blood and sprinkle it on the altar as the morning sacrifice, and they would prepare the lamb uh, for the to be offered as a burnt offering on the brazen altar. So that's the sheep that these shepherds took care of, at least as far as we can establish from uh, the text and from history. So they're there, they're tending their flock. So it's it's nighttime. We're not told how late in the evening it was. Mary's given birth though. Uh, and they're out there. And then we're told, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. So they're tending their business. And all of a sudden there's an angel there. It was obvious because it, it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So it wasn't just all of a sudden there's a man standing there. There was an angel who looked like a man, but, in, you know, glorious. And the glory of the Lord, what that is, we're not told. Clearly, it was some form of light, very beautiful. And their reaction was just like ours would be. They were greatly afraid. Uh, literally, um, they became afraid with a great fear, is what the, the Greek actually says. They, they were terrified at this sight. It scared them. And whenever angels appear, that's usually the reaction that occurs. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people or all the people. And so the angel calms them and tells them, don't be afraid. And he tells them why they need to not be afraid. And, and he says, I'm bringing you good tidings. And actually that word that's translated, I bring you good tidings, is the, the verb for to evangelize. Okay, so which means to tell the good news. So he's proclaiming to them this good news of great joy, which is uh, to all people. This is not just to a small group, it's for everyone. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the angel lets them know why he's there. There's no dialogue goes on between the shepherds and the angel. You know, they're not questioning him, saying, well, what do you mean? Where exactly? They're standing there. He tells them to be at peace. And we trust that with that word coming really from God through the angel to them, their hearts were calmed. You know, sometimes we tell somebody, you know, I'll be at peace. And that's not going to happen. When God says it, when he speaks, or when we speak according to what God has said, we can trust God to work. So here we can be pretty sure they were no longer terrified, but they were definitely in amazement and they silently were listening. And there's more to come for them in just a moment, huh? So he says, I have great tiding, good, great news, good news of great joy. The Savior is born. There is born to you this day in the city of David. In this case, it's referring to Bethlehem. We had a thing came up in Bible study as well. The city of David is at in Jerusalem and it, part of Jerusalem is called the city of David. Here, the ancestral city of David uh, is referred to, uh, which is Bethlehem. So he says, for as there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Where 
Christos, as you know, is uh, the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means Messiah, when that means the anointed one. So the angel is telling them the Messiah, the, the anointed one that's been promised, the greater son of David, the one that's been promised from the beginning, the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent, he's been born this day. Today's his birthday. And so clearly they're happy about this. And as they're listening to this proclamation, the angels, the angels are undoubtedly filled with joy in telling them this also. Uh, but he says, uh, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's the traditional way of wrapping babies, lying in a manger. And so the one that was to be born is none other than the Messiah, the Lord. Note that. And he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. The, the uh, interesting thing about him being wrapped in verse 7, Alfred Edersheim mentions this, when it says, And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. So it is interesting that the verb there refers to Mary. So it appears that she wasn't uh, there with people attending to her. She gave birth, and then rather than someone helping her and wrapping her child, which was generally done, uh, she wraps him herself, which is kind of an indication that they were being left alone in one sense, but also somewhat neglected. So Mary wraps the baby herself, and the angel says, you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angels were very much aware of this. So this is the message the shepherds hear. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Literally, it's the, the soldiers of heaven is what the Greek says. And host is a good translation of it. Host means army. So the heavenly hosts were there praising God and saying, so the angels, they can't contain their joy. They've waited since the beginning of creation for this to happen, or at least since the fall, and it was announced. And now the Messiah has been born, the Son of God, whom they knew in heaven, who became incarnate. He's now been born. And so they cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is a proclamation that there's a way back to God now through the Messiah. He's made that promise. It's being fulfilled. So they praise God, glory to God in the highest. That's a superlative. That means in the very heavens of the heavens of the heavens, in the presence of God, glory to him. Heaven and earth are filled with the glory of God. So this is an ascription of praise. You know, angels or men can't add to God's glory, but we certainly can proclaim it. And we proclaim him blessed. You know, like when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's not that we somehow bestow upon God a blessing. We simply proclaim that he is blessed. Here they're proclaiming that God is glorious. And on earth, peace. That's the thing that's been missing since the fall of Adam. And we've had in the Old Testament promises, covenants. There was peace given by God's covenantal promises. But the one who is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, he's now come. He is the peace. Goodwill toward men. And the word goodwill there is eudakia, and it actually means good pleasure. And it's not with men of, uh, who are pleasing to him, as some of the modern translations mess it up, uh, making it sound like, well, if you're pleasing to God, then, then I have good news for you. The gospel is you're not pleasing to God, but God has bestowed his good will, his good pleasure upon men because of his son, Jesus Christ. Now that Jesus is on earth, the angels can say, Peace on earth. 
because the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, is on earth. Goodwill, the one that the Father later proclaims, this is my Son. And remember when he said, in whom I am well pleased? Same word. Same word that's used here. Jesus Christ is the, the good pleasure of God, and that is what is among men or toward men. The gift of God's Son has been given. He's the one who is doing the Father's will, who is always pleasing to him. God himself, the Father, said, this is my uh, Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, and that's an eternal statement there. He's always been well pleased with his Father. Jesus made reference to that also. So the angels make this proclamation, and so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. So they're there, and again, it doesn't sound like they're saying a word. They're just watching. There are times when it's the proper thing is just keep your mouth shut and watch what's going on. And they're not speaking because they're forcing themselves to not talk. They're just watching the whole army of heaven around them praising God, and you know they're somewhat in wonderment and you might say a form of sanctified shock, but they're there. It was an awesome night. It changed them, no doubt. So they're there, and then it talks about the angels being gone away from them back into heaven. So they see this, and then slowly they turn and look at each other, I think we can say. Uh, and then the shepherds said to one another, let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So this is one of those duh moments where it's like, well, what else are we going to do? Um, so now they speak, and they're they're speaking to me. We need to go to Bethlehem, and we need to go right now. And so we're told they came with haste, with diligence. Uh, the idea is they didn't waste any time. The, the sheep were in good order. They were safe. The shepherds knew that. They were they had been keeping guard over the sheep that night. Uh, you know, I've talked about, you know, the shepherd's perspective of this, the angel's perspective. <laughs> Never heard a sermon on the, the sheep's perspective of this, but uh, I suppose somebody could preach one, but kind of hard to get the sheep to, to talk, you know. But uh, how this affected the sheep, we're just not told whether they actually saw this or not. But we are told the shepherds saw it and it affected them. So they said, we need to go. And clearly they said, let's go. They said, this thing that the Lord has made known to us. So they recognize we've been privileged here to get this message. So they came with haste and found Mary. And again, in Luke's gospel, in the original, it's Miriam. He uses her Aramaic name. This kind of speaks of the uh, originality of, of this text, not creatively so, but that Luke probably got this information from Mary or others. Um, it's not impossible that when Luke wrote his gospel in the uh, second part of the first century, that he, some of those shepherds may have been alive. But we're not told one way or the other on that. But we are no, told, you know, as Luke says, he had interviewed eyewitnesses. If you read the first few verses of Luke's gospel, he says that. So he comes and he finds Miriam or Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Uh, that is the shepherds came and they, they found them exactly as they had been told. Now, how specific the instructions were, we're not told. They just were told, go to Bethlehem. You're going to find a baby lying in a manger in a feed trough. So they went, and whether they had specific knowledge, it wouldn't have been too hard to ask, was there a baby born somewhere? Uh, as if, if they made inquiry, and it could be this, they, they knew where to go. And so they went, and they found the babe lying in a manger. And we had learned some interesting things. We see how the shepherds were changed. 
when they had seen him, they made known, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So here Luke kind of takes us beyond this present time and tells us what happened after this was all over. <laughs> These shepherds told everybody they could. They made it widely known. They talked about it. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. That's why in the next few verses of Luke's gospel, when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple uh, for the ceremony of circumcision and dedication, as they bring him up there, and also for her to offer a, a, a sacrifice as women were supposed to do uh, when they had given birth, when they bring him up there, there's anticipation. If you remember Simeon, he came in, he was looking for the consolation of Israel, and also uh, Anna came in, uh, and they were happy to see Jesus. It's very possible that the shepherds talking to so many people, that word was out that something had happened in, down in Bethlehem, and anybody <clears throat> knew the scriptures knew that the Messiah was to be born there. Later, even King Herod's wise men told him that, uh, that the Messiah was going to be born according to the promise that thou, uh, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth he who is uh, unto me, he who is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from old, even from the days of eternity, literally. And so the word was out. And we can see these shepherds, they were the, the first evangelist. And so all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds, but then we're told in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word ponder means she kind of turned them over, okay? She cast about, tried to kind of looked at things from, what does all this mean? She knew from the angel what had happened. She obviously experienced the uh, conception of Jesus in her womb, as the angel Gabriel had told her, the, uh, the shadow of the Almighty will come upon you. And so... Uh, that's when she conceived, but now she's pondering all these things. She's treasuring them. She's keeping them and thinking about them. Then we're told in verse 20, then the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God. These guys are pretty awesome. Okay? They're found where they're supposed to be. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. They go where they're supposed to go. And then when it's done, they realize, wow, we've seen the baby. This is awesome. They, undoubtedly, as they say, they found Joseph and Mary. They spoke with them. They looked at this little lamb, and then they realized, you know, our job is to take care of the, the flock. So they went back. It says the shepherds returned. They went back to work, glorifying and praising God. So they went back to work, but they were changed. They're praising God. They're different now. That's why they continue talking to everybody. There, People, you know, what's going on with you guys? Well, let me tell you what happened. And they, and they did. They're praising God, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So they knew God had kept his, his gracious, awesome promise to them. So when they went there, a couple things to consider. First of all, the salvation of the world hung upon one slender thread. If you think about it, a baby that was born, a little baby born into a poor family, unattended by those of this world, uh, those celebrated by Angela Coast of Heaven, it's placed in a feeding trough. Um, the first recorded visitors were humble shepherds. They weren't the great men of the world. Uh, they came from the fields to see the newborn king, Jesus, our Lord, the Savior of the world. So how long Joseph and Mary had been in Bethlehem for the census, we're not told. They got there. It says while they were there, she went into labor, and that's uh, when she had the baby. 
But it wasn't too long after that that this happened, and then the shepherds arrived. So God honored his shepherds not only by sending the first announcement of the birth of the Messiah, but by having them subsequently become the first to spread the news of the Son of God coming into the world and being born in Bethlehem. It's interesting, Christ names one of the offices in the church as pastor, uh, which is shepherd. It's the same exact word to choose. So Jesus referred to himself later as the great shepherd of the sheep. So our Lord had great respect for that office. Uh, we started with David in the Old Testament, referred to God himself as uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That is, I have no needs. God takes care of me. And so the Bible tells us a lot about that. It says we are uh, the sheep of his pasture. Okay, in Psalm 100, God looks out for us. He shepherds us. Our Lord Jesus Christ honored these men. God honored them by having them come and see the Messiah. So a shepherd had one time been chosen to be king of Israel. Jesus was born in the city of David in Bethlehem. And remember David, when he was called to be king, he, he was a shepherd. So it's fitting that these shepherds are right by Bethlehem. Who knows what they were talking about that night? They had the hope. Someday the Messiah is going to come. Won't that be great? You know, they knew the promises and then it was fulfilled. So some wonderful things were happening. So there's a few things. I just want to add a couple things here that we can learn from these shepherds. First of all, note this. They were going about their duties when they received the heavenly announcement. That old saying of being where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, doing what we're supposed to be doing, is what most of the will of God is made up of. If, we, if we're where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, doing what we're supposed to be doing, pretty much you're going to find yourself fulfilling God's purpose in your life. If you're supposed to be at work, go to work. Can you imagine if one of the shepherds had called in sick that night and said, guys, I'm staying in town. I don't feel like getting out there. It's, it's kind of chilly, so I'm going to stay home. Uh, he would have missed out. Okay? He might have heard from all the noise they made. But they were at work. They were where they were supposed to be. So we can learn from them. These were men of duty. That's why God, I believe, entrusted them because of their character. He'd given them that character. But because of that character, they were entrusted with this first proclamation. They were chosen by God, just that, to be the first to receive this news. The angels did not appear to the priest in the temple. He could have, but he didn't. Nor to King Herod's court. We know later when Herod found out about it, what he did, he showed his murderous wickedness in killing the children around Bethlehem. That's why Joseph and Mary had to flee out of there. The angel didn't appear to the great ones. He didn't appear in the city of Rome to the emperor and say, oh, and way off far Judea. The Messiah has been born. It's going to change everything there, Mr. Augustus. Uh, didn't do that at all. He appeared to shepherds, men that the world takes little note of, and some even despised them. And that's what Paul says later to the Corinthians. God has chosen the things that are despised in this world, the things that are not or nothing, to confound and bring to nothing those things that are. So if you're feeling kind of low or like, well, I don't know if I matter much, you'll beloved in God's hands, you do, okay? And who cares if the world thinks much of us? We belong to Christ, and if we're faithful to him, all will be well. So the message came to these shepherds, and they were simple working men transformed by the good news of Christ. Beyond this narrative, we're not told much about them. We don't know. And Joseph soon after disappeared from their site, went into Egypt. And when he came back, he didn't go back to Bethlehem. He was there for a while because when the wise men came later, we're told that 
uh, Joseph and Mary and the baby were in a house when the wise men came and presented uh, their gifts. So Joseph had found better accommodations for them. But soon after that, when the wise men had inquired of Herod or Herod had inquired of them, they first came and asked, where's the Messiah? And he said, what do you mean? And then he, like a snake, said, let me know where he is so I can come worship him myself. He had no intention except to kill him. Uh, so the Lord got Joseph, Mary, and Jesus out of there. They went to Egypt. So the shepherds, hey, the Messiah has been born. Yeah, they're staying in a house in Bethlehem. And somebody told them, they're not there. What? They're not there anymore. Joseph didn't leave a message. He just got up from the dream, told Mary, grab your stuff, grab Jesus, we're gone. So they went to uh, Egypt and stayed there, came back. He found out that the guy that was on the throne after uh, Herod, Herod's son, he, he's just as bad as his dad. So he went back, Joseph took them back up to Nazareth. So the shepherds maybe pretty clearly didn't know too much about what had happened. We don't hear about them after this. We're not told. We can surmise. God knows. He knows exactly what they did afterwards, but he wasn't pleased to tell us. So here's some other things that are important. When they were terrified, and they were, it's really clear from the original, being being made fearful with a great fear. When they were terrified, they still listened to God's word. Sometimes there are those of us who, when difficult, you know, we can be difficult when we're scared. And we refuse to receive any calming advice in the midst of our fears. That's not good nor wise. The shepherds weren't that way. When God's word was given to them, it's okay. Don't be afraid. The Lord blessed that. We need to remember that. When we're afraid, David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. So when we're afraid, we still need to listen to what God says. And this is what they did. They were afraid, but they listened. And obviously the angel's word had power and, and gave them that peace. But we need to be asking God to do that for us. Uh, they, with, God help, with God's help, they controlled their fears rather than having their fears control them. Okay, that's really important. Uh, so before they received the details of Christ's birth, they received a word of comfort. They had to be made fit to hear it. And so... Calm down, listen, okay? And they did. Uh, when the angel said, don't be afraid or fear not. Uh, fourthly, they did not delay in obeying and following God's message to them. Once they knew what God's will was, they did it. They were told, you're going to find a babe. Well, they went and looked for him. And when it says they found him, the implication is they looked for him. They sought him out. Uh, the message which was delivered to them in a manner that would have caused all doubting and delay to vanish. But nonetheless, they quickly acted on the message. There's no debate among them. It's like, well, how do we know this is real? You know, should we do? They, they weren't questioning it. They knew what they'd seen. They were honest men. They dealt in honesty. They spoke to each other. We need to go do this. And they did. They acted immediately on the who, the where, and the what that was given to them in their instructions. They knew it was the Messiah they sought, who had just been born. The angel told them that. Uh, they knew to go to Bethlehem. They knew where to go. And they knew to, they knew to look for a, a manger, a feeding trough with a baby in it. Okay, So I imagine there are probably a, a number of feeding troughs. It's like, it's not this one. How do you know? There's no baby in this one. Okay, keep looking. And they, they knew what to look for. And they knew who they were looking for. They were looking for the Messiah. So talk about a sanctified search. Uh, because of what they had heard and seen, they understood 
I was trying to find, like, how do you describe what the angels did with the singing of God's praises? Best way I could describe it is because of what they'd seen and heard, they understood the culture of heaven. They heard the angels, the armies, the soldiers of heaven praising God. I'm not sure what that sight looked like. Someday we will see the angels when Christ returns. We'll see the armies of heaven. We'll be part of that as redeemed men and women. But they saw the angels of heaven, the, the soldiers of heaven, literally. And I think they understood the culture of heaven. It's a place of praise and of glory and honoring God and uh desiring the angels were happy that there was going to be now peace on earth because the prince of peace had come there's goodwill toward men and that's what they said glory to god in the highest and upon earth peace goodwill or good pleasure among men now one thing needs to be said and i'll say it as quickly as possible some modern bibles have the angel saying and on earth peace among men in whom he is well pleased and the first of these, uh, as opposed to goodwill toward men, the first of these is based upon the presence of one letter in the original. It's only found in five manuscripts, and two of those were corrected uh, to say the way it reads in our New King James or King James Bibles. Uh, the idea is that the, by the way, the thousands of manuscripts that we have of the Gospel of Luke all say, except for Five and two of those were corrected to read it and agree with the thousands. All say peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Okay, so there's three manuscripts that were that came to us through history, uh, generally identified with the text as it circulated in Egypt, away from the Orthodox centers up north, that say uh, peace on earth to men with whom he is pleased as if somehow men earned this peace from God. You know, if, if you please God, he'll give you his peace. It really puts the gospel on its head. And it's not the, uh, I can, if you can consider thousands of manuscripts from all over the Mediterranean world from various centuries that are not copies of each other, it's pretty clear what Luke wrote was, what the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's why it's important to, you know, the textual issue is important. This is one letter. Instead of Udokia, it's Udokias, okay? Somebody added the letter S, and then that agrees with the, uh, the word men there, and it makes that an, an adjective, men of, good, of his good pleasure, uh, men that are, that are pleasing to God. So one letter makes all the difference, and that's why, you know, sometimes they say, well, Pastor starts back on his hobby horse about the text. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's important that we have Bibles that are based on the text of God's word that's been handed down to us from history, used by Orthodox believing Christians, rather than ones that were constructed in the 19th and 20th century, based upon a few discarded manuscripts that differ so widely from the majority. They're, they're pretty weird. But these are the things that have been fostered on us. And then the publishing houses have bought into that. Uh, and so we have a whole lot of modern translations. And I'm talking about the ESV, the NIV, the uh, New American Standard, et cetera, et cetera, that are based upon what's called the critical text that have these falsified, I believe, very corrupt readings in them. And so uh, God did preserve his word. Jesus said, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass on the law. <laughs> 
till all is fulfilled. He also said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. There's a promise of God preserving his word. So that's just one little example of how a beautiful declaration of the angels can got completely messed up. But it's only in like three manuscripts, or five if you count the ones that were corrected before they were released. It's five manuscripts out of thousands of others. But the modern guys say, oh, let's go with those. That, yeah, that, that differs with everything the church has used for centuries. So we'll go with this one. And then people go, oh, we have the better text. And it's like, no, you don't, guys, if you're using these modern Bibles. You've got sometimes good translations done by evangelicals based on a Greek text put together by neo-Orthodox liberal scholars. Bart Ehrman, the guy that's in charge of the Nestle text, which is the critical text, he's the guy determining what reading goes into the Greek New Testament that's used in a lot of seminaries now. He's not even sure that Jesus was born of a virgin or that he rose from the dead. If you listen to the guy, he's pretty much a pagan, very scholarly, but his, he, feels, he feels his job is to overthrow the, quote, faith of the church. So my point is, the text is clear. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So, and why is it goodwill or good pleasure? Because Jesus had come. And that's the last thing here on this. The shepherds knew that the good news message was to them, but not about them. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they spread that news around to everyone they could. It wasn't like, hey, you know what God did for me? Well, that's nice to hear. You know, hey, you know, the Lord appeared to me. Oh, and my buddies also. That wasn't their message. Their message was the Messiah has been born. The message wasn't about them. It was to them. They benefited from it, but it was about Jesus. Paul the Apostle said uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6, and we'll end with this. He said, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what these shepherds did. We don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So the Apostle Paul said. The next verse was, and this really sounds like he's talking almost about the shepherds. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You kind of wonder when those shepherds went and they looked down in the manger and they saw the face of the little Lord Jesus there looking up at them. There's something about it that's interesting because these shepherds were men that understood the lambs that they helped birth were born in order to be sacrificed. And if they knew the scriptures well enough, they knew when they looked at the little Lord Jesus, were not told what they thought, but if they knew the scriptures, they knew He's come to die for us. This little beautiful baby, they knew he was he was going to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. We're not told what they thought, but Paul says we see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not a physical looking for us. It's looking at who he is and how he's revealed himself in Scripture. And as we look to him, we see God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what the shepherds were trying to tell people. We've seen the glory of God. I'm sure they told people what they'd seen and what they'd heard. But it's because the Messiah has come. And that's our message, too. So be a shepherd. Go Spread the news abroad. Tell everybody. Live in such a way that they're going to ask, why are you different? What's going on with you? Let them know I'm happy because of Jesus. They'll think you're crazy, but who cares? They're probably think you're crazy for some other reason if it's not that. But don't worry what other people think. 
Is God's good pleasure among men? Why? Because Jesus Christ has come into this world. And he was born, lived a life, died, rose again, has ascended into heaven. He's praying for us right now, saving us by his presence in heaven and coming again for us. So we have good reason to join with the shepherds in praising God and glorifying him. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless us now and be with us. We do pray you would confirm your word to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for this testimony in history of your angels being sent to encourage and strengthen and direct the shepherds. And we thank you, Lord, for those men that you formed so long ago that we trust who are now with you, Lord, in glory. And uh, we thank you for their testimony. And we thank you, Lord, for all the things that happened that glorious night. So, Lord, we're, we're still affected by what took place there. And we, we pray that we wouldn't be affected by it in the right way from your word in the scriptures. So bless us now, we pray. And fill our hearts with praise and glory as we look to you, Lord God, in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I believe we have.